Welcome to the Small Ball Podcast. Welcome back to the Small Ball Podcast. Welcome back to the Small Ball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Small Ball Podcast, brought to you by Showcase Sports Media. I'm your host, Matt Gregory, and today, you know, we got another podcast here. Uh, it's Saturday at 2.30 in the morning. I don't know why. I do some of my best thinking at this time, and I'm always like, you know what? I think it's time to talk about some baseball. So, you know what? Tonight, I was like, let's do it. Let's hop on the Small Ball Podcast. So, since last episode, some big things have happened. I have been released from quarantine. I'm a free man again. In other news, I've also gone out and I've played some baseball. Uh, tonight, I went over with my boys from the B-Squared Podcast. They were on the World Series Dodgers celebration episode. Uh, we went out and we played catch tonight. That was really fun. Um, Alex was hitting us infield, and he was hitting the ball way too far. Uh, it was kind of annoying. So, Alex, if you're listening to this, learn how to hit fungo, please. No, but in all seriousness, those guys were great. It was fun to hang out with them. Uh, just, you know, talk about baseball. Uh, talked a little bit of basketball, too. And, you know, just went outside and we played some ball. It's really refreshing to be back. So, thank you guys all. Uh, I know a lot of you guys said that you had me in your prayers. I really appreciate that. But it's time to talk about some baseball. So, you know, this time of year is one of my favorite times of year for baseball. Um, Free agency, some big trades going down. Teams are getting equipped for the future, what they want to do, who they want to be this next upcoming year. So first, I kind of avoided this story at first. I saw it last week, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to hold off on this. Uh, Just because I didn't have all the details, so I didn't want to come out and say anything that was untrue or speak off speculation instead of facts. So uh, Randy Arozarena uh, was released um, in a jail from, from a jail in Mexico after legal issues regarding his daughter and his baby's mother. Uh, good to see all of that cleared up. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, what money can buy, but it's looking like it's cleared up. So hopefully there's no suspension or fine there. Hopefully there's no disciplinary action from MLB. I know what he did was kind of weird, Hopefully it's all found out, though. Hopefully it's all solved. Um, I'll update that more as facts come along, but I really don't like to speculate about players, especially in their legal aspect and their private life. It's not really our place. So, yeah, hopefully that all ends up well. Uh, Tommy Pham, another guy that really – he just put himself in a bad situation here. I mean, I know he's of age. He can do whatever he wants, but he's trying to sue a gentleman's club after being stabbed and having catastrophic injuries. I mean, dude, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Stay home. You're a professional athlete. I mean, spend your money how you want, but I don't know. I feel like he could have found better ways to hang out with women or whatever he was trying to do. All right, but on to the more positive things. Free agency is about to get cooking, and so is the trade market with guys like Lindor, Arenado, and Bryant on the trade market. And there's some high-risk arms and bats on the market. I mean, I know I love Trevor Bauer. I talk him up a lot, but he's been inconsistent for his career. Obviously, he's been a pretty good pitcher, but he's definitely shown major signs of inconsistency. So Trevor Bauer only asking for a one-year deal, quote-unquote, that honestly might be good for your team. You really don't know which version of the guy you're going to get. Hopefully, he continues to be Cy Young form of himself. I love the guy. I would never wish ill will upon him, but you really don't know. So it's going to be big to see what happens this offseason with him, and there's a couple guys, you know, there's been there's some high-risk signings. So first, I want to go through 10 awful trades, 10 trades that were just lopsided, 10 trades where one team just got way better of the other, and these are just 10 trades that I thought of. These aren't 10 trades like the 10 best or the 10 worst. You know, these are just things that I thought of, trades that I was like, wow, like this changed the franchise. 
So we're going to go to one right here. Uh, this definitely reflects on my Cubs. You'll see real quick. Uh, in 2012, the Cubs were rebuilding. Uh, and they had a 35-year-old Ryan Dempster who was still pitching effective. So they put him out on the trade market. Um, things were difficult due to his him having a no-trade clause at the time. But the Cubs did have a deal in place for Dempster to go to Atlanta. Uh, for Randall Delgado. And Dempster declined the trade. Um, he was like, you know, I don't want to go to Atlanta. I want to go to a better team. So then the Cubs also attempted another trade to Texas. Um, and it ended up working out. The Cubs traded Ryan Dempster to Texas, and in that trade, they got back none other than Kyle Hendricks. Um, Kyle Hendricks has been probably the Cubs' best pitcher over the last four or five years. This guy's been absolutely electric. He doesn't throw hard, but he is probably the most underrated pitcher in the National League. Kyle Hendricks is a hero. He started Game 7 of the World Series, pitched fantastic. So yeah, Kyle Hendricks is just that guy. Uh, So that's one of the biggest trades, one of the more important ones, and... As a Cubs fan, I mean, that's one of the great ones for me. Seeing this guy come out and be just a throw-in in a trade and be the guy that pitched in Game 6 of the NLCS against the Dodgers in 2016 and the guy that gets the, the ball in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series as well, I mean, it's just great. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can pick up a guy that can be your opening day starter on a team that contends and a guy that pitches in Game 7s and Game 6s for a 35-year-old arm that really didn't have much left in the tank... You got to be patting your back on that. That's fantastic. So shout out to Theo Epstein. I know he's gone now. Uh, He's on to bigger and better things. Hopefully the next commissioner of baseball. If you don't know why I'm saying that, please go back and watch last episode. It was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, that's just a quality trade for the Cubs. Uh, Another one right here, we got Jeff Bagwell heading to Houston in 1990. Jeff Bagwell was traded from the Red Sox for Larry Anderson. Uh, this one has to go down as one of the worst trades in all of baseball history. Larry Anderson did a fine job for the portion of the 1990 season that he was with the Red Sox. He had a 1.23 ERA for them. Kind of fantastic. Uh, but the 15 games he appeared in were probably not worth the Hall of Fame-worthy career that Bagwell ended up putting together. Uh, Jeff Bagwell is one of those guys that's just going to be looked at as one of the better infielders in all of baseball, one of the best players in baseball history. Uh, Bagwell went out and he competed, and he was a big part of Houston. Um, Those early Houston teams, Jeff Bagwell was that guy. So it was good for them. I mean, I know we don't really stand the Astros anymore. The Astros are, as culture would say now, canceled. But, yeah, I mean, that was a big trade for that organization. And I know, uh, obviously, they aren't who they are today, but that was a big trade for them, Jeff Bagwell. Another one, we got Fred McGriff anchors the Atlanta 1993 lineup. The Atlanta Braves received Fred McGriff. San Diego received Vince Moore, Donnie Elliott, and Melvin Neves. Fred McGriff made three consecutive all-star appearances as a member of the Atlanta Braves and drove in over 90 runs in each of his four full seasons with the team. On the other hand, Vince Moore never made it to the major leagues. Donnie Elliott played in just over one season, and Melvin Neves hit over 20 home runs two separate times during his career, but was plagued by a prosperity of striking out. Sounds like Javier Baez. Just kidding. Javi's a great defender. Uh, Javi's got a lot more to his game than that. I'm not going to go into that right now. Uh, McGriff was not with the Atlanta Braves very long, but he had a large impact and was a steal on the trade market. Once again, Fred McGriff, one of those guys, he was just fantastic for that ball club. So it was one of those trades that you look back at and you're like, wow, good work, Atlanta. Number seven, 
I don't know why I said number seven. This is just the third one out of ten. So I guess it would be number three more than anything. Uh, the Giants trade Nathan and Liriano to the Twins. The Giants thought catcher A.J. Przinsky was the missing piece to a playoff run in 2003. The Giants sent Joe Nathan, Francisco Liriano, and Boof Bonser to the Twins. Nathan has become one of the best closers in the game, and Liriano had an ERA of 2.16 in his first full season. He underwent Tommy John surgery, but bounced back with a sub 4.00 ERA. AJ Przinsky, um, one of those guys that I feel like everyone hated at the time, is best known for being a cancer in the Giants clubhouse. Yeah, AJ Przinsky, a guy that I personally don't like, uh, definitely a bias against it, but that guy was kind of a jerk. So, you know, I'm happy that this, yeah, they recognize that he was known for being a cancer. Uh, AJ Przinsky, not a guy I'm a huge fan of. Another one, we got Jason Veritek and Derek Lau become Boston institutions. This is 1997. This is two years before I was born. So Boston received Jason Veritek and Derek Lau. Seattle Mariners received Heathcliff Slocum. What a name. All right. Jason Veritek and Derek Lau both enjoyed great careers in Boston. Veritek helped break the curse of the Bandino from behind the plate while Lau was having a good season on the mound. Keith Slocum, on the other hand, didn't enjoy quite so much success with Seattle and was never able to regain the success he had in Boston or with the Philadelphia Phillies before that. I was going to say, I feel like I'd recognize that name because uh, it's such an odd name, and I didn't, so at, I figured that he wasn't good after that trade. Uh, oh, another one that I really love. Uh, Sammy Sosa moves across the Windy City. I don't know if many of you know, uh, Sammy Sosa was a White Sox. Um, and he was traded, and I'll tell you what he's traded for. So the Cubs got Sammy Sosa and Ken Patterson. Chicago received, uh, the White Sox, sorry, received George Bell. If the Chicago White Sox would have known that Sammy Sosa was going to become one of the best home run hitters of the late 90s and of all time, I talked about this on the last episode, put the dude in the Hall of Fame, put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, put Mark McGuire in the Hall of Fame, Robinson Cano, not you, though, you're a scumbag. Um, yeah, there's no way they would have made this trade. However, Sosa was still a prospect at this point, and Bell was an established outfield present. At the time, this trade might have made sense. But in hindsight, it was a major blunder for the White Sox. Sammy Sosa, as much as people want to hate the guy, he went out and he did some fantastic things. He was hitting the ball well. Uh, He was also a really big part of bridging Latin American culture and American culture. Uh, Right after 9-11, seeing Sammy Sosa run across the outfield with the with the flag, uh, and after the home run, pulling the flag out. Like, that was just big. Um, so, I honestly, I just love that. That was pretty great. So, hats off to Sammy Sosa, and hats off to the Cubs for making that trade. Hopping into a trade that's a little bit more recent for my newer fans. Uh, this is Mad Max. Believe it or not, Mad Max was not drafted by the Washington Nationals or drafted by the Detroit Tigers, where he came from before that. Max Scherzer was actually drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, So in 2009, 24-year-old starting pitcher Max Scherzer had a 4.12 ERA and 30 starts for the Diamondbacks. Although he demonstrated his amazing talent, the Diamondbacks dealt him away in a three-way trade involving the Detroit Tigers and the New York Yankees. This trade was absolutely insane. You think about all the pitching that the Diamondbacks have traded away in recent years, Max Scherzer, Trevor Bauer, just to name two. That's two guys that have won the Cy Young that they've traded away for basically nothing. The Tigers ended up with Scherzer, among others, 
Arizona traded away the future three-time Cy Young Award winner for Edwin Jackson and Ian Kennedy. I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, They got fleeced. Edwin Jackson was good for, like, what, like two or three years maybe? I was not a fan of that guy, especially when he came to the Cubs. But I digress. Uh, Definitely not a great trade. One of those that, you know, like they said, is going to go down as one of the worst trades in MLB history. That's why I brought it up. Another one of the worst trades takes us back to the infamous Lou Brock for Ernie Broglio trade. Yeah, I know. This is one of the ones that hurts, you know? Kind of comparable. Well, not not really. Uh, but in my personal life, it's almost like the trade the Cubs made for, you know, my boy Jose Quintana, who hasn't been a good pitcher. He's been a great value starting pitcher. But, you know, it's comparable to that. Uh, definitely on a larger scale because this guy's a Hall of Famer. Um, but one of the worst trades, Lou Brock for Ernie um, Broglio. Um, Ernie had a 3.5 war and a 689 OPS. Uh, we dealt Lou Brock to our rival. The guy was fantastic. He stole 888 bags for the Cardinals, 761 OPS, and almost a 42.0 war. You know, it's just one of those things where you look back and you're like, man, your team really, really messed up, and yeah, we did. But it's okay, because, you know, after 108 years, we broke that dang curse. Another trade, ooh, I love this one. Pedro Martinez dealt to the Red Sox. Another guy that you just think was in a team's organization the whole time. That wasn't. Ooh, and I have a story about this one after. Uh, many think the Dodgers trading Pedro to the Expos for Delino to Shields was worse. But the Dodgers only had one full season to go by. Montreal traded Pedro for Carl Pavano and Tony Armas Jr. after he posted a 1.90 ERA, 305 Ks, and a 17-8 record in 1997. Pedro continued to dominate with the Sox and helped break the curse of the Bambino. Pavano had a couple of solid years but wasn't an all-star until joining Florida. So the Expos really fleeced themselves there. I don't know why you trade a young guy that's having that fantastic of a year for two guys that uh, I have not heard of. I've heard of Carl Pavano, I guess, but I don't know who Tony Armas Jr. is. It's just one of those trades that you kind of just scratch your head at and you're like, wow, uh, what were you thinking? All right, and then possibly one of the worst trades ever, uh, Mark McGuire the trade for Mark McGuire that the Cardinals made. I'm not a huge Cardinals guy, but Oakland traded or Oakland received Blake Stein, TJ Matthews, and Eric Ludwig for Mark McGuire. McGuire had hit 52 home runs in 1996, and he ended up hitting 58 home runs in 1997. In the midst of that campaign, he was traded for three prospects who never panned out. Why in the world are you trading a guy who hit 52 and 50, 110 home runs in two seasons for three prospects. I understand Moneyball is a thing, but if you have a guy that good, you have to go after big league talent with it because you really never know about prospects. I understand you can see a guy, number, number one prospect in all of baseball. If I'm trading Mookie Betts, I'm not trading him for Wander Franco. I'm trying to get the best MLB-ready player I can get. When you have a talent that's just that transcendent, it's really, really risky to trade for someone who hasn't performed at the big league level yet. I know you talk about the Mookie trade, Alex Verdugo, but that guy played big league last year. He proved to be a good hitter, and he came out and he was a good fielder too. 
So it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't know what you're thinking there, but it, it happens. McGuire went on to hit 70 home runs in 1998 and shatter Roger Maris' single-season home run record. And those three prospects, they were all busts. This has to be one of the most lopsided trades in MLB history, and it most definitely is. It's one of those things where if you could have kept Mark McGuire out of St. Louis, it would have made my day because Sammy Sosa would have looked a lot better. But, you know, it happens. Honestly, those guys being against each other was really interesting, and it made for a really good documentary, Long Gone Summer. Go check it out. All right, so those are 10 trades that just did not pan out for one team, uh, but definitely worked out for the other. Now we're going to go into 10 awful free agency signings. Now I'm just going to scare you uh, because if your team's going out and spending money this offseason, good luck. Josh Hamilton to the Angels, five years, $125 million. That was the deal. Somehow Hamilton's time with the Angels managed to be worse than most, than most worst-case scenarios presented at the time of his signing. And those were plentiful. Josh Hamilton had a lot of demons, had a lot of struggles. Not only did Hamilton struggle early, when actually healthy in the regular season, he posted a 255 average, 316 on base, 426 slug, with only 32 home runs in 240 games. He hit 43 in 148 games in the last year with the Rangers. But he was 0 for 13 in the 2014 postseason. His 98 win team was eliminated by the Wild Card Royals. Then the disastrous offseason that resulted in the trade that sent him back to the Rangers. The worst part and what makes Hamilton sit on top of this list is to actually get rid of him. The Angels paid Hamilton a lot of money to play for their division rival. I don't know if you guys remember, but in Moneyball, uh, when Billy Bean picks up David Justice from the Yankees, the you know, I think he's on this list that I made. Uh, when the Yankees trade David Justice to the Oakland Athletics, Billy Bean has this moment with David Justice where David Justice goes, oh, yeah, I'm worth something. I'm making $6 million a year. He goes, no, you're not. The Yankees are paying us $3 million for you to play against them. That's insane. The Angels paid Hamilton to play for their division rival. Short of bringing a plague of locusts to town, it's hard to say. It's hard to see how uh, this could have played out any worse for the franchise. You know, it's really sad to see because the Angels... They're the little brother. They're the ones that everybody wants to see do good, and it's just not working. And it hasn't worked for a while. (laughs) Sorry, Angels fans. Ooh, another one. Mike Hampton to the Rockies. Elijah, Griff, hold your ears. This was awful. They signed Mike Hampton to an eight-year, $121 million deal. The Rockies were determined to overhaul their pitching staff after the 2000 season, and Hampton, the lefty who owned a career 3.44 ERA, looked to be the answer. So they gave him gobs of money, but Denver's thin air rendered him highly ineffective, as it tends to do with breaking ball pitchers. After just his second season in Colorado and a 5.75 ERA in 62 starts, Hampton was traded away in a complicated three-team deal with the Marlins and Braves. I guarantee you they're still eating up some of that money. One of those things that's just really hard to see. I mean, the Rockies, another one of those teams that I feel like everybody kind of likes. I was talking with some Dodgers fans today, and they were like, yeah, I like the Rockies. I was rocking my Nolan Arenado jersey today when I was out at the field playing catch. The, the Rockies are one of those teams that everybody kind of just likes. You know, you kind of smile at them. You're like, hey, happy to see you doing good. Uh, another one, Pablo Sandoval to the Red Sox. Ugh. This was an awful deal. Five years, $95 million. 
Sandoval was coming off his second amazing World Series performance with the Giants when the Red Sox gave him this massive contract in November of 2014 to take over the job at third base. Sandoval had hit 500 with three homers in helping San Francisco beat the Tigers in 2012 in the 2012 World Series, then hit 429 with 12 hits in seven games as the Giants outlasted the Royals in the 2014 World Series. But his time in Boston was almost a disaster. I think it said he had 12 hits in the World Series, and he probably had about 12 years in his whole first season in Boston. <laughs> um, yeah, Panda was often overweight and never very productive on the field. In his first year with the Red Sox, he compiled a 245 average, 292 on base, 366 slug, slash line, all career worse with 10 homers and 126 games. And Sandoval missed all but three games in 2016, and 2017 wasn't much better either. He hit 212 in 32 games and then was DFA'd. He still owed $67.1 million on that deal, and the Red Sox have to pay every cent. That was just an awful deal, man. They had to pay him $67 million to not play on their team, just after the fact. Ooh, another one. Ooh, my goodness. Uh, Melvin Upton Jr. to the Braves, five years, $72.5 million. Two years shouldn't be enough to call a five-year deal a bust. But in Upton's case, that was definitely enough. He was awful on an epic level for the Braves, a 198 average with a negative 1.7 war, and to get rid of his contract, the franchise had to trade all-star closer Craig Kimbrell to San Diego in the deal. So maybe it wasn't a great idea to give all that money to a guy who batted just 242 in the previous four seasons and struck out more times in those four seasons than all but just three other players in the game and hit at least 30 home runs, few, th- at least 30 fewer home runs that, that those three guys did. He split time between the Padres and the Blue Jays, hitting just 196 with 57 games in Toronto. You know, I honestly feel bad for the guy. Going into that year where they signed uh, BJ and his brother and they had Jason Hayward in that outfield, I was really excited for that team. I thought that outfield was going to do fantastic. And Melvin or BJ, whatever you want to call him, just was absolutely awful. I mean, he was the clear outlier as the worst player on that team. Uh, one of the worst contracts that the Braves have ever given out. So, yeah. Uh, B.J. Upton trade uh, wasn't great, and they had to end up trading Craig Kimbrell, a guy that's near and dear to my heart because, you know, I just love him blowing games for me. Another guy on an awful deal, Barry Zito to the Giants, seven years, $126 million. Wow, I feel like these contracts are kind of crazy. For the most part, Zito stayed healthy in the Giants' rotation for the life of the contract, and he did have some brilliant moments in the San Francisco Giants' uniform. In retrospect, maybe it wasn't good to guarantee that much money to a guy who had a career 4.05 ERA and a 4.57 whip in the three seasons before he reached free agency. Zito had never an ERA better than 4.03 and finished his time with the Giants with a 4.62 ERA. This is kind of like the Upton thing. I feel like it's one of those things where they kind of just assume the guy was going to get better over time. And it just didn't happen. So don't guarantee that much money to a guy who hasn't proved anything to you yet. That's definitely a thing that's going to be very, very uh, popular in this current offseason. They're definitely not going to pay guys that don't deserve to get paid as much. But I don't understand. Like, why isn't that always the case? I guess you got to take a flyer sometimes, and that was just a bad flyer. You don't take a flyer on seven years. Take a flyer on one year, $40 million. Like I said, give Trevor Bauer a one-year, $35 million deal. Uh, Worst-case scenario... 
He doesn't pitch good, and he's gone after a year. Best case scenario, he pitches great. You extend him. Barry Zito, yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about that guy. He was not too great. He was kind of just meh. But down to another Rockies contract, Denny Neagle, five years, $51 million. The same offseason that the Rockies brought in Hampton, they also brought in lefty Danny Neagle. His time with the franchise was a disaster. After three awful years and a 5.57 ERA, Nigo missed all of 2004 with injuries, then was charged with soliciting a prostitute in Denver in 2004, ending his time in Colorado. Yeah, that wasn't too great for them. Um, Denny Neagle, a guy whose name I haven't heard in a while, but yeah, uh, not too great of a look for the Rockies there. A guy that was just about a uh, part of a previous trade. Carl Pavano, four years, about $40 million, 39.9 with the Yankees. The Yankees have made a lot of bold moves on the free agent market, but no one's time in the Bronx went as poorly as the pitcher who was dubbed America's Idol during his time with the Yankees. In his four years with the Yankees in pinstripes, Pavano made just 26 starts and finished with a 5.00 ERA. He spent most of the time on the disabled list, including his famous bruised buttocks injury. Man, that brings me back. Um, no disrespect, Matt. I love Derrick Rose. I know this is a little off topic. But back when he was hurt all the time with the Bulls before he couldn't get healthy at all, uh, they had him out, and it said General Soreness. So he picked up the nickname General Soreness because he was out with General Soreness. So I'm assuming that's the type of guy Pavano was at that time. Uh, he was General Soreness or Bruise Buttocks. Uh, another one. This comes at my Cubs. This tr- this deal wasn't too great. Three years, $30 million for Milton Bradley. Nobody aside from the Cubs, GM Jim Hendry, apparently was surprised this deal ended badly. Bradley was a disaster in his loan season on and off the field. And after he was suspended the final 15 games of 2009, he was dumped to Seattle in an offseason deal that brought back Seattle's worst free agency decision of all time, Carlos Silva. Yeah, Milton Bradley, I mean, the guy was kind of just a jerk. I remember seeing him at Wrigley. Um, Not a nice guy, but it is what it is. Uh, Down on to the next one, the Boston Red Sox. Who would you guess? If you're a Red Sox fan, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Carl Crawford, they signed this man seven years, $142 million. Um, what was the issue with this? Carl Crawford admittedly never felt comfortable in Boston. He was only a shadow of the player he'd been for Tampa Bay. Uh, he had a two ninety six average, three thirty seven on base, four forty four slugging, and an average of 45 stolen bases a year. Because of injuries, he only played two of those seven years before he was included in a salary dump trade to the Dodgers. He had two sixty with 23 stolen base total and a 161-game season. So in about a full year, he hit 36 points less and had half the stolen bases, and it took him two years to play a full season. After four seasons with the Dodgers, Crawford was released, and L.A. paid him over $43 million not to play. Um, They also were paying him still in 2016 and 2017. Poor Collar Crawford. At least he got his bag. And another one of these, Gary Matthews. Um, This is finally the last one. Actually, you know, I'm going to do one more because uh, for some reason I didn't think of it till I started this list, and anybody who's a current fan of the game definitely knows this deal. Uh, Gary Matthews, 
To the Angels, five years, 50 million. Matthews was an elite defensive outfielder from the moment he arrived in the majors. Albert Almora, question mark? But had never been much of a hitter. Albert Almora, question mark? Until his age 31 season for the Rangers. That is when he produced a 313 average. His career mark to that point was 249. He had 19 home runs and a 5.2 war. The Angels gave him riches based on that level of production, which never, he never came close to matching in just 370 games over the three seasons. He hit 248 and was traded to the Mets for Brian Stokes, a 30-year-old reliever with a 5.02 ERA. Yikes. And obviously, I think potentially the worst free agent signing of all time got to be Chris Davis, or as they used to call him, Crush Davis. Chris Davis to the Orioles has become an awful and just terrible signing. Seven years, $161 million to hit below 180. Man, the only thing consistent about that guy is how much he strikes out. He's now 34 years of age, making $23 million per year. And that's just absolutely insane for a guy that's hitting 180, uh, one on the longest hitless streak for a position player in MLB history. Uh, yeah, Chris Davis, um, probably a worse hitter than John Lester, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, but this guy's going to be getting paid $1.7 million annually from the team till 2037. Orioles fans, I'm really sorry for you. This has really hamstrung your franchise. Imagine if Chris Davis was the guy that was hitting 55 home runs a season for you. I feel like this team would be completely different. Uh, prayers up. I know this is a teammate, Trey Mancini. Hopefully that guy gets better. You know, he's not in a good place right now. I know he's recovering from cancer still, so hopefully Trey Mancini comes back and has a good year. Um, but Chris Davis, way to get your bag, brother. You are one of the biggest hoaxes in baseball history, and I really hope he comes back on one of the last two years of his deal, balls out, and gets more money again. Imagine. That's a guy that I would not be taking a flyer on. Maybe in fantasy baseball, but not if I was paying to play in the league. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Davis, probably the worst free agent signing ever. Hopefully your team doesn't go out and sign Chris Davis this offseason. Um, I know there's a couple of guys on the market. But yeah, guys, hopefully your team doesn't go out and sign the next Chris Davis or trade for the next, you know, make the next Lou Brock trade. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this definitely was a shorter episode. There's not much news going on in baseball right now, but as stuff breaks, we'll definitely be on it. I want to thank you all so much again for coming out and listening every week. You know... I really appreciate you all. This has been the highlight of my week for the past, I think, 18 or 19 weeks now. We're going to keep going strong through this offseason just till baseball comes back, and, you know, it's just going to keep going. So once again, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic week. God bless. Have a great one, and peace. Peace.